It was a clear night sky, not a cloud in sight. And the shepherds kind of watched over their flock as they tended to the mothers giving birth. This was a familiar field for them because they returned here every year. This little spot right outside the, the little town of Bethlehem for lambing season, that time of the year in which the mothers would give birth to the baby ewes. It was a little bit larger of a field than they were comfortable with, but they needed the extra space. The hedge of protection was already set up and they kind of knew what to expect. At this moment, two shepherds, they're, they're sharing a break around a fire. One of them's poking some of the embers with a stick and he, and he looks up, catches the eye of the others and he, and he says to him, he says, you, you think we'll have enough this year? Meaning with the decree and all, you, you think we'll have enough? And the one shepherd begins to think and to consider that, yes, Caesar Augustus, out of nowhere, issues this decree. And so as a result of this census, droves upon droves of people, more than they were used to, would be making their way past their little small town on their way to the high city of Jerusalem. Well, we'll have what we'll have. And if it's enough, it's enough. But there's only so much we can do. And what he's talking about in this moment isn't enough lamb for food. He's talking about lamb for sacrifice. Because as these Jewish people would be returning to the high city, they would pass by looking for a pure, unblemished, spotless lamb that they could take with them. Make a beeline straight for the temple for their atoning sacrifice for them that year. As they sit around and the crackling fire ensues, the one shepherd looks to the other and he said, do you ever wonder what it's like worshiping the Jewish God? Yahweh is his name, I think. It'd be a welcome experience. I'd love to try it sometime. At this point, they, they had heard the history. They had heard the stories. They've even heard rumors about these prophecies that existed for hundreds upon hundreds of years. But they weren't allowed in because of who they were, because of what they did, because they were shepherds. They weren't allowed to worship in the temple. And so the one peers over the fire through the break in the smoke, says to him, well, unless something changes, we'll never get to know what it's like. Unless something different happens, we'll just always kind of be on the outside looking in. At the corner of his eyes, one of the shepherds sees a sheep begin to bounce off onto the horizon. Looks like old Sally's getting away again. I better go get her before she gets too far. And so he grabs his cloak and his staff and he makes his way towards her. She's bounding off into the wild with no care in the world, so he begins to pick up the pace. And as he begins to jog, his eyes scan the horizon. Decades in the shepherding business, he's basically got night vision at this point. He's looking for signs of trouble, but he knew 99 times out of 100 that when that one sheep left astray, it was because, well, it was just a sheep. And it doesn't take a whole lot of time as a shepherd to figure out that sheep are just dumb. They're often hungry. They wander off aimlessly for no reason at all. But he also knew that if he didn't go rescue Sally and bring her back, some of the others would follow suit as well. And so he begins to call out to her, Hey up, Sally! Hey up, hey up, Sally! 
And at this moment, she stops dead in her tracks and her ears kind of perk up. She looks back because she recognizes the voice of her shepherd and he jogs and he gets close and he reaches out his staff and reels her back in. And he begins to pat down her wool coat and whispers gently into her ear, where are you off to, old girl? You know the world is too big and dangerous for you. So he reaches down and grabs all four of her legs, two in each hand, and he hoists her onto his shoulders and begins to carry her back to camp. And on this slow, methodical walk that he's done so many times, he reminds himself, man, this is just what it takes. My sheep are always wandering off, and especially this one, oh, Sally. She's a little ornery. She's probably one of the more mischievous ones, but I love her, and she's mine. He gets back to the close-up center of camp, and he puts her down. At this moment, he hears a very distinct, fresh cooing coming from the birthing stall. And so he runs over, and he sees a shepherd, and he looks up, and he says, we got another one. And this one is a beaut. He's definitely worth keeping. And so our shepherd says, okay, I'll be right back, and I'll get to the cloth. So he runs to the tent, and he pulls out a, a white, pure cloth, and he, and he reaches down, and he gathers the baby you in his arms. Because you see, during lambing season, the pure, the spotless, the without blemish lambs were wrapped in a swaddling cloth. It meant that they were set aside to be sacrificed. So that the, when the visitors would come by and they would come through the town looking for a suitable sacrifice to Yahweh, these ones would stand out. And it didn't just keep their wool clean. It didn't just keep them from getting dirty. It made them symbolic. These are the ones that will pay your debt for you. And as he rocks the baby you back and forth in his arms, considering what to name him, a bright light shines down from heaven, coming towards him, some sort of human-like majestic figure, and he's terrified. He's afraid. He cowers in fear, but makes sure to protect the baby lamb. Stop, don't come any further, or I'll call the rest. And at this moment, the angel of the Lord says to the shepherd, no reason to be afraid. Shalom. I come in peace. I bring good news. You'll have great joy for everyone because unto you today, a Savior has been born in the town of David. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him lying in a manger wrapped in a swaddling cloth. You know, I've always wondered why, why the shepherds first? Why were the shepherds the people that got to hear the good news before anybody else? Like it would have made sense for the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the religious elite, Maybe somebody who was popular, influential, somebody who had a name for themselves in the Jewish community. But the shepherds, they were nobody. They were absolutely nobody. You couldn't make a case of why they should be first, but everybody understood that they were definitely the least likely. They were outcasts. 
They always lived on the outskirts of town. They were very rarely welcomed in. They weren't even allowed to worship at the temple. And yet that's who receives the proclamation first. Now they would have understood swaddling cloth. They would have understood a manger. They would have definitely understood what it meant, what it looked like, what it took to be a good shepherd. It's interesting because God's ways are always unexpected. A Roman ruler issues a decree out of the normal rhythm that fulfills a prophecy that had been standing for centuries on end. A little boy will grow up and he'll have magical powers to perform miracles that nobody's ever seen before. He can turn water into wine. He can feed thousands of people with a couple Lunchables from Dollar General. He'll be the first God, the only God, the first Savior, the only Savior, the true Messiah that won't require something of you and from you. He doesn't develop a form of religion. He forms a relationship that says, out of my love, this is what I've done unto you. And so when we consider God's plan, when we consider Jesus, when we consider his birth, when we consider the Christmas season, it should always feel a little unexpected. Who, me? Yes, you. You see, so when the the angels come and, and they speak to the shepherds, good news has come to you. You will receive a sign. It's a little unexpected, but at the same time, it's completely who our God is. And that you doesn't just refer to the shepherds. It refers to you and you and you and you. And me. For God so loved the world, the outcasts, the broken, the hungry, the lonely, the put together, the not put together, the piecing things together. That He sent His Son into the world to save the world, not to condemn it. And that is a message of good news that brings great joy for all people. As we continue to worship this morning, I would love to read, uh, and the words will be on the screen, the the birth narrative of Jesus. We're going to prepare for communion, and I want to read these verses over us all as we remember that this is good news that has brought great joy for all people. And with the story we've just heard, maybe you can make some of these connections that maybe throughout your whole life you have missed the connection of the way our unexpected God works for his love and his grace and his message for the world. Luke chapter 2. Verses 1 through 20. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And this was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor 
of Syria. And everyone went to their town to register. So Joseph, he went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and the line of David. And he went there to register with Mary. He was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, a time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find him a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those in whom his favor rests. When the angel of the Lord had gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all of these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying, praising God for all the things which they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. 